0: Welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey.
1: My guest today is Micah Isagawa, the CEO of WebAc, the protection layer for self custody. WebAc develops tools and services to make self custody safer and easier. Micah is also a former professional acrobat and performer for the Cirque du Soleil brand of shows. She attended Stanford University and was specializing in artificial intelligence. Micah was most recently a cybersecurity engineer for Microsoft and is a Forbes 30 under 30. Welcome Micah.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So I like to start at the beginning. Where were you born and what did your parents do for a living?
0: I was born in a small town around 40 minutes from central Tokyo. It was called Musashi Kogane in Japan. And my father is an engineer. Now he has worked at the same company for 30 years uh, and is now like a director at level at that place. And my mother, she was a cross-cultural educator. So she taught Japanese here in the United States and English in Japan, and then had a variety of odd jobs and is now flipping homes for fun.
1: <laughs> I love it. Um- When so you've done so many crazy things, uh, cool things in in a relatively short time. I'm curious when you're growing up. When did you When did you leave Japan? So we moved.
0: Yeah, we moved from Japan to the United States uh, to Minnesota. Actually, uh, when I was five, and then we went back and forth until I was around ten.
1: And in that kind of five to ten year span, uh, if someone had said to you, "What do you be? What do you want to be when you grow up?" What would you have said?
0: I think as a child, I used to answer a princess um, rather than some sort of job or anything like that. It was the role of being a princess. Um, but I think for a while, I was really into astrophysics. I used to watch the History Channel on traditional network TV um, and watch all those kinds of shows. So something in the physics world.
1: Yeah. And I read that you actually, instead of high school, were kind of going to the University of Minnesota studying physics. Um you know, so it's clear that you are very unintelligent and no interest in, in anything scientific or anything like Hate that. It all. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So growing up, you had, you know, your father's an engineer um, and cross-cultural, I think is really fascinating. Uh, and obviously you were saying you had this interest. Um, did you have certain role models that you looked up to and you saw people doing something like, oh, that would be cool. Or that gave you, you know, a window into the, the possibility of opportunity?
0: Totally. Yeah, I think rather than maybe one hero that some people could see like, on TV or whatnot, I found my the people that I looked up to within my circles. So growing up early on, it was my father, of course, watching him work all the time and seeing his dedication. Uh, but then even the circles growing up in school. So maybe an older classmate or someone who was at the same circus training school who was much older and better than I was. So in these circles, whatever I was focused on, there was always someone who I could look up to and kind of grow and learn from. And so that's continued to today, too.
1: So you mentioned the circus training. When did that start and how did that develop?
0: So I was 11. I was living in St. Paul, Minnesota. Well, I was in Eagan, Minnesota, actually, at that time. Uh, And funny enough, Minnesota has one of the largest youth circuses in the United States and in North America, pretty much. Uh, So it's for kids. Instead of going to soccer practice after school, you go to circus Mm -hmm. training practice. And so I did a summer camp when I was around 11 or 12 and then started getting more and more into it uh, over time.
1: And... Was Cirque du Soleil as much of the kind of creme de la creme growing up that was like, wow, if I could go one day work for them, you know, that would be the dream? Or, or is it not quite that uh, articulated in terms of where you, what, you, what, 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 what this would lead to?
0: So Cirque du Soleil back then, it was more so even than today. I think today things have kind of changed with, um you know, the, the buying and selling of the company and the level of what mm. the company is at. It's still very much a spectacular company. Um, but back then, when I was younger, it was more of like, "Wow, that's a that's a dream to someday be able to work for them." It wasn't necessarily a goal, though. I think there's a difference, um, especially when you're a child growing up. I wasn't putting my intentions into trying to become a professional circus performer by whatsoever, but it would be cool to be one. That's kind mm-hmm. of the situation <laughs> where it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen multiple shows of theirs and am um, blown away by them uh, um, and and the incredible talent of the performers. Uh, um, it, it's it's interesting that I, I love that idea of a dream, not a goal like that. It's almost like when you make it a goal, it becomes almost not as fun, you know? And I like the idea of pursuing things that are fun. Um, do you think there's a, so, you know, as a kind of, you, you reference on your, your website of being kind of a jack of all trades and, and, you know between being an ultimate Frisbee competitor, you know, concentrating in AI, being an acrobat, working for Microsoft, like, is there a theme that you see that kind of threads all these disparate kind of things together?
0: That's a tough one. Um, I think they're they're very different things. I think one very clear one is that I'm extremely competitive with myself, right? So always having to improve, never being totally fulfilled with what I've achieved. And so maybe that's both a blessing and a curse for my lifetime, but it seems to be reflected in all the things I choose to do.
1: And I thought of this question earlier when I was thinking about, uh, do you think robots will eventually replace humans?
0: (laughs) Haven't they already? (laughs) No, (laughs) it's ominous. But really, like, even the manufacturing plants that we look at today and ChatGPT, not to throw out another buzzword thing coming out here, but there are many, many instances where robots have already replaced us. And so it's kind of a matter of time. But we will keep evolving so that they don't replace us fully, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and I I guess I'm curious, you know, ChatGPT is pretty... um, Wildfire at the moment, with everyone thinking, you know, both worried and excited, and uh, uh, about what it can do and what it might do. Um, my perspective has kind of been that AI is a, a tool, like many other technologies, that you need the human element, you know, maybe to use it for good or evil. I, I don't think about it that way, but about and, and to use it effectively. Uh, what are your, you know, you studied AI. Uh, what are your thoughts on what what? The use cases in terms of whether controlling it can you can you control is there a point where AI becomes you know it's becomes its own thing and the human element no longer plays a part, or is it that there's a, you said that humans are evolving to stay one step ahead of it? Uh, that seems a little arrogant in some ways. It's a technology that might take over us, uh, but right. maybe that's just my sci-fi movie that I've I've seen too many. Of.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of possible futures when it comes to AI. I think if I'm thinking back to, you know, five or 10 years ago with the AI moves that came out, we're not quite there yet. We ha- they haven't fulfilled the promises that they gave me about these AIs that could be full v- virtual assistants, but we're getting close. Uh, I agree with you on the sentiment that AI is a tool. Um, already, I think that AI is useful for all kinds of things, like speeding up our writing processes, not necessarily writing it for us, but maybe creating a structure, right, which we don't need to spend our time doing 100% anyways or coming up with new ideas and iterating through something that might, we might not have thought of. Um, a lot of people have been using ChatGPT, interestingly, to verify opinions that they have, or maybe argue against them uh, when they're practicing for something. So it's actually quite interesting to see uh, how people are starting to adapt the use of ChatGPT, and I think it's only gonna get more interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, someone who's a content creator, it's, it's really interesting. It's not gonna, I don't think it's gonna thing where I'm just gonna go, oh, here, go and create, you know but it's going to get me there faster and potentially with more possibility for me then to input what it is. And again, you got to ask at the prompt, you got to, you know, you got to still be the one who's coming up with the initial inquiry. And I think that's where there's always going to be a human element. And then when I think about, you know, connecting with an audience, human emotion as is sophisticated. And and I see how AI technology is starting to get, you know, it's taking the inputs and, and, and getting closer, but I'm not sure it will ever replicate those true kind of human emotions uh, that are so important. But we'll see. Uh, speaking of human human emotions and the the sanctity of all that, uh, tell me about how you came up with the idea of WebAssy and what was the motivation behind that, and what your your hope is that it will do.
0: WebIC came from a variety of things. Um, I I think I've talked about this a few times before, but there was a personal element and then there was a very logical, this space needs help, this space has opportunity for a solution to come and enter the space kind of of situation. So on the personal side, I had a family member pass away and then they were quite young. And I think I was having this existential realization about how our lives are changing and becoming more digital. Uh, And on Mm -hmm. the other hand, on that same note, by realizing our assets and our lives are becoming more digital, I knew that all of the problems we have in our traditional world when it comes to managing, protecting, even passing on after you pass away, those were only going to get worse in Web3 and the future of a digital assets management if we didn't do something to build on this new system. So that's where Web3 came from. Uh, and our very first product was kind of a, a crypto-focused product. And that's the where we found our niche as a company. But the vision and my belief is that eventually a lot of assets and digital assets will be represented whether on blockchain or something very similar to blockchain. So having technology that helps manage that in a more modern way is going to be very useful in the future.
1: Yeah, And again, it's about using technology for something very important to people, you know. Um, I'm working with a company right now called Pensarita, which is basically similar in that their goal is to preserve the legacy, whether it's photographs or videos or things. And it's even now, you know, when I look at the things that I have of my children as opposed to what my grandparents had and the fact that I would love to have some more of that and you know I get old photos that my brother just scanned and it's like technology is getting to the place where it should be easier to to manage them I mean I'm not say easier it should be simpler but not easier and so that's why the tool needed to then take all this information because there's too much of it and and make sense of it um, and so and I love that idea, you know I've had I've had people um it's interesting people who have passed away, I've seen on Facebook that their page lives on as kind of a um, memorial and I think that's how I see we I see from my perspective the little I know about it is one of the ways that it'll be really useful is to to be able to honor you know beloved family members in ways. Um, that everyone can, you know, that they're still part of your life, and and I think, you know, for me, I think, and don't to get too deep in this, you know, about death is is, you know, when when someone passes away, I really believe in celebrating their life, you know, rather than getting sad for, you know, there's you know, it's a mixed bag for sure, but but I, I like I love the idea of celebrating someone who's who's been important to your life, um, in lots of different ways. Um, Absolutely. So you've been. You've traveled, you know, all over the world for different things, being born uh, in a different country. So far in your life, when you think about, you know, the most surprising place you've found yourself, either a a geographic location or speaking to someone, is there some some place you're like, wow, I would have never thought I would be talking to this person or in this location? That You're just surprised by that happening.
0: Oh, yeah. I think probably everyone has had some sort of of out-of-body experience where something is so wild that's happening that you just kind of can't imagine yourself in your own body. So you disassociate and you see yourself externally. That's happened a number of times so far, and I hope it'll continue happening because it means I'm in places that are shocking to myself, but... I mean, so for example, one was uh, we performed in Sochi, Russia for a bit as part of Cirque. And just the fact that, you know, now things are a little bit more different with the political dynamics, but I never thought I'd ever find myself in Russia. And to be there on the Black Sea in the summertime, you know, hanging out with friends on the border of like in Russia and other countries, it was just a very surreal kind of feeling. And that happened multiple times during Cirque. Uh, and then even even back at school, you know, listening to entrepreneurs that are very famous right in front of you in a in a... Uh, observatory room, speaking to your class of twenty, right? And so these are just kind of moments where I find myself very grateful to be able to live this life, life of excitement and experience. But yeah, no, there's been definitely a few moments like that.
1: And if you know you're in a grand scheme, relatively young, thirty under thirty, you know, um, it, it seems when when people read about all those amazing things you've accomplished, you, you've done quite a bit. Uh, if you, but you also have very distinct variety of interests and you know i think growing up i was one like oh you should be a, an expert and i was not i was more of a generalist uh, and so i'm curious if you think about it now what advice you give to people who may have multiple interests and, and trying to figure out which one to pursue and how, how to figure all that out any any thoughts on that
0: well first of all thank you for calling me young because i feel so old every day especially i'm surrounded by you know 19, 20-year-olds that are extremely successful and brilliant around me, uh, so thank you. Um, yeah, I think I do. I think I, I, I still even struggle with this, too, having some, a variety of interests, and to really make something great, you have to focus your energies, uh, and so I've learned to pick the things that I know that I can commit, continue working on without getting distracted, um, but earlier, I couldn't do that because I had so much I wanted to pursue, and so I think what I discovered through my self-discoveration journey, to use that word again, uh, was that you're not going to be happy in life unless you're working on something that's very interesting to you and exciting to you. So I don't think anyone should feel the pressure to pick one thing and only focus on that if that's not going to make them happy, right? And so as long as you're able to feed yourself, take care of your health and, and your family, right, there's no there's no benchmark to compare yourself against. And that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I I teach uh, at a university, um, undergraduate students, and one of the things I try and share with them and, and, and any one kind of who's, who's on their way exploring their career. There's a great uh, Venn diagram, which is things you love, things you're good at, and things that enable you to afford whatever it is. And that you have to really find that middle thing because if you find something you love and you're really good at but it doesn't pay, you'll be happy but poor. If you find something you're really good at and pays lots of money but doesn't make you happy, you'll be rich and unhappy. And you find something that pays a lot of money and you really love it, but you have no skill there. Well, then you're just dreaming. So I think that, you know, that real sweet spot is finding that thing. And I love the idea of, you know, do what you love and you don't really work, you know, a day in your life. is There's quotes like that. Um, and I, and as much as it's kind of a cliche, I think it's I've been blessed that I grew up with with my parents saying, you know, you got you to get up. You spend a lot of time at work. You got to get up and want to go to work and love what you do. And it's sad because there's so many people who don't. You know, the, the the rate of disengagement across, you know, the workforce, it continues to be really high. And I think it's important to remind people you have a choice um, and you can pursue things. One of the challenges I think, you know, I have young children who want to that are about to go to university, figuring out what it, what that thing is, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, because there are so many options now. And I think that's one of the, the flip side of, of being able to pursue what you love is you have to figure out what it is you love. Um, and I think the answer is probably try lots of things. So, you know, you, you, um, but it's it's yeah. And I, and I definitely agree with it. if you don't focus to some degree, you'll never become you'll never master anything. And the idea of mastery, I think, is pretty cool. Um, and and for something to be successful, you gotta focus on it. Speaking of which, um, as a young adult. Uh, Get to say that you're young again. Uh, by a lot of you know people's measures, you are successful. You know, and being listed in Forbes and working for Microsoft and running your own company. Um, but I'm always curious about how how does Micah
0: define success? Success is a tough one for me because I I feel I'm I'm quite hard on myself, like many other young people uh, that no matter what I achieve, there's some way I could have done it better, or there's some way I could have improved that, or maybe it just wasn't good enough for me to present it to the world and that kind of thing. And as you get older, you realize you can't let those fears stop you from delivering and, you know, uh, and shipping product and so on. So even still today, I question a lot about how am I doing that kind of thing. But for me, I think Success is a variable. Uh, it changes based on my mood, which is totally fine. If I'm happy one day, then yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm, you know, life is good. If I'm sad one day, maybe I feel like I need to work a lot harder. It's it's hard to say. But so to to kind of give myself a benchmark, I like to say success is achieving the goals that I set out for myself, whether I wrote them down, whether I told myself, if I'm just able to complete something that I start, even that I consider a success. Um, even folding my laundry sometimes I consider a success, right? Because something you started. Uh, so yeah, it's quite variable. Um, but yeah, it's one, of, it's one of those terms that is kind of philosophical for me.
1: Yeah. And again, I ask it, you know, lots of people define it. Um, and I always think it's really important to define it for yourself, because success looks very different for me than it does for lots of other people. It's funny, when you mention folding laundry, there's a book <laughs> and a concept called Make the Bed about when they, that encourages people to make their beds because actually you just accomplished something that sets you up for a great success in the day and all of those things. And yes. I've, I've, you know, tried to get my children, make your bed, trust me, it works. It's been proven, go and do it. Um, and, I, and I like the idea that it's variable because success may be different this week than last week. And, you know, in terms of, you know, for me, success is really about finding something, you you, you know, fulfillment in what you do. Um, there's a great quote, and I don't know the whole quote, um, by heart, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson talks about you know successes, you know appreciating laughter and and, and the affection of children and and but in the end, making the world a better a little bit better than when when you leave it than when you started. Um, and to me, I think again that's for me, but success is certainly not always defined the way it's portrayed in popular media or things like that. And I think that's important to remind people. Um, what about inspiration? So you have these. Um, lots of ideas and you get inspired here and there. What what do do you think generally inspires you to want to pursue one of those interests?
0: Oh, this is a great question. So I think it's easier for me to think about my inspirations as an acrobat because I would watch people who are leagues better than me and be inspired by their beauty, their grace, how easy they make everything look, and that pushed me to become a better performer physically. Right, And as a physical Mm -hmm. acrobat, I think you know pretty much how to improve and get to where you're going because it's getting that trick or making it look That's that piece when you when you get out of sports or acrobatics you enter life I think it gets much more confusing because you don't exactly know how can I who might be a different gender different age in a different part of the country achieve the same thing that some person that you look up to does right it's a totally different path and you're not sure how to do it and so um, I find people who have sold companies have created wonderful NGOs but even a lot of my friends local, like around me who are just good people they inspire me so I, I have a different inspiration for every piece of my life that I want to improve.
1: Yeah, I I, I really like the idea of just being inspired by good people around you. You know, it's, yeah. it's why not? You know, it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing that inspires you, you, can, you know, inspired by a little kid you see on the street or, you know, whatever, all those. I like the idea that it's not, you don't need something big to be inspired. Um, and we can all look around at simple things and have it inspire us. I still consider you somewhat of an expert in, in AI. It seems to be, you know, you studied it and there's an element of it in what you're doing now. You know, what do you think is, so, and again, now with chat GBT being, you know, the trend of everything changing the, the game, even though there's lots of AI tools that are out there. But what do you think is kind of the next trend in the world of AI? I
0: think AI... Uh, improving the processes that we have today has gone on for decades. And I think it's only going to improve that. So AI copywriting assistance are something that exploded in the last two years. AI photo editing, AI art is something that exploded last year, right? Uh, and so I think AI apl- applied to a lot of things that we do in our day-to-day is going to change the game when it comes to things, even even like organizing paperwork, even speaking to maybe a doctor assistant is something I saw the other day on my feed. Right, like the ability to consolidate notes from a conversation. Uh, And so I think just our everyday human life processes, we're gonna start seeing it trickling in. Things are gonna change a little bit, hopefully for the better, Uh, but that's my my guess.
1: Do you see any dangers with the growth of
0: AI? Of course, yes, (laughs) so many dangers. I think if we over-rely on AI and we're not double-checking its work, it's the same as having an intern that you don't double-check their work, right? You don't want to trust it. Even if it gives you three iterations of good stuff, you don't want to trust it to post something on your account on your behalf without double-checking that uh, because it could be something that's detrimental to your company. And then the other piece is the the garbage in, garbage out kind of thing where the data's training set isn't fair. If it isn't correct, if it isn't right, you're going to get bad stuff on the outside too. And so it's a lot of work all around the board to do, but it's, and pe- people are working on it, very smart people are working on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is the next trend or thing we're looking forward to for Micah?
0: For me? <laughs> it's It's been really refreshing to have Webacy because this is my first company that I've really started myself and really dove into because I know what I'm working on every day. It's for the company, I'm excited to work on it and so on. So trend for me, I think health and wellness is big for me this year. Um, you know, getting the right amount of sleep, uh, drinking less, eating right, all the regular things that we think of as adults, but we just don't really focus on. That's big. Um, And then the other one is probably, uh, let's see, that's kind of the main one, you know, making sure my company is successful or growing in a good trend and trajectory and then personal health and those
1: two. Yeah, so I'm hearing health and wellness for the company and health and wellness for myself. That's That's perfect,
0: yes, thank you, uh, yes. (laughs)
1: Uh, all right now this is uh, I've got nine final questions to ask I used to call them rapid fire but I'm increasingly finding they're not that rapid (laughs) So, because of uh, the way they're constructed nothing to do with the person answering them Uh, but so I'll start with one that a lot of people will challenge which was if a movie was made about your life who would you want to play
0: it this will be my longest answer because it's a hard question (laughs) and I'll make the rest short Uh, I think if I I were to have a movie made about my life it would probably be like later on in my life so mm-hmm. when I'm quote-unquote older. And so it'd be whoever is the most famous, successful young woman of the day 10 years from now, which is a cop-out answer, but I'm going to go with that.
1: I like that, the future star. Yes. The <laughs> uh, future. Um, And should stories always have happy endings?
0: I think that's unrealistic. But there's happiness in every ending, right, if you find it.
1: Mm. Interesting because I've been sharing with movies with some of my with my children and some of them don't have the happiest ending. There's bittersweet, someone passes, you know. Um, and I definitely think that, yeah, there's silver linings to find and there's still things that are um, to be taken away even in an uncomfortable or unpleasant or sad experience. Um, all right, here's an easy, hopefully an easy one. Do you have a favorite emoji?
0: Emoji? Oh, um, I, I like the... The, the face that has the eyes that are kind of pleading like a Pixar character. I like that one, yeah.
1: And can you name a favorite song?
0: Um, My or favorite band. artist right now is yeah, Joji, J-O-J-I. He's a, he's a Japanese, he's funny, he has an interesting backstory. I won't get into it, but he used to be a YouTuber and it's totally different from his music facade uh, and his music character, so, but his music is good. I like it.
1: Uh, do you have a favorite social media platform?
0: now i like twitter i used to be on instagram more but twitter is fun right now
1: let's hope it's the top of it starts to work itself out <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you
0: yes it's how to think like a roman emperor cannot remember the name of the author which i i recommend this book to so many people i really should just remember who wrote it but it's very good well, I'll, put it's a it, I'll put it in the philosophy show notes. Book. thank
1: you <laughs> uh can you name one of your favorite movies
0: I just watched the menu and I'm Mm -hmm. a big, you know, fancy eating, dining experience fan. So I really, really like that one.
1: Yeah, we just watched it as well. It was, it left us scratching our head in a good way. And and we can't, I think we're still trying to decide if we liked it or didn't like it. But the whole food experience was definitely uh, interesting. Uh, Can you name something you can't live without?
0: Water? No. Uh, exercise.
1: Yeah, I've, hey, listen, I, that, there's no right answer to that. Some people say chocolate, coffee, you know, my son, the son. <laughs> uh, all right, this is this is what I always like to, uh, to to end with, which is if you could be credited for inventing something, what would it be and why?
0: Oh, is this something that already exists?
1: Up to you. It can either be something that exists that you wish I had invented post-it notes, or you can be like, I wish I invented... You know, teleportation, you
0: know. Oh, wow. That one's a good one. Um, I, I wish I invented uh, like a process that would feed everyone in a way that didn't destroy the world.
1: <laughs> Sustainable nutrition.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let's do that.
1: Uh, this is great. I really appreciate your time and, and sharing with me your story and, and those bits. Is there anything you're promoting or what people, so is Webacy, where should people, is that where we should send people? What What is it that you want people to you know know and something you want to share with us?
0: I assume this is the place where I can unapologetically show what I'm working on. So. <laughs> yes. That's
1: yes. It.
0: Uh, Webacy is the company I'm working on. We're focused on crypto security at the moment and more in the future. You can find that at webacy.com, w-e-b-a-c-y.com, and on all social media,s like Twitter and Instagram at my Webacy, and then me myself, uh, I'm at Mike Isogawa on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else.
1: Awesome. Uh- Micah, this has been a real pleasure for me. Uh, I really appreciate your time, your insights, sharing your story. And I want to thank you so much for helping us connect the dots.
0: Thank you. This has been fantastic.
1: Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.